Welcome to First Baptist Church of Terrytown, sharing God's love and hope around the world. Our prayer is that your life is transformed as you hear the Word of God preached today. My name is Zechariah, and I was a priest of God during the time of King Herod. My wife Elizabeth, like me, was also from the line of Aaron. (laughs) So we were a family of priests, surrounded by priests. We knew how to worship God and we knew how to follow his law. I want to tell you a unique story. Are you familiar with that word, unique? It means when something is like nothing else. How do you catch a unique rabbit? Unique up on it. (laughs) I'm sorry, did you laugh? I couldn't hear. In my old age, they say that hearing is the second thing to go. I can't remember what the first one is. (laughs) No. To be forgetful is a terrible thing. To be forgotten is even worse. For 400 years, God had forgotten Israel. We came back from exile, and never again did we worship the false gods. We worshiped the one true God. We followed his law. But for 400 years, he forgot about us. He was silent. For 400 years, God did not send us a word. He did not send us a prophet. We did not hear anything from him. Israel was forgotten by God. And then the Romans came and occupied our land, the promised land which God promised to us forever. And yet here was Rome oppressing us. But just like God forgot Israel, he also forgot me. I'm not perfect, but I followed the law. I served him in his temple. I devoted my life. But after 50 years of marriage to my dear wife, Elizabeth, we had not had a single child. We were barren. When I was a young priest, the other priests began looking up to me. I was becoming a leader. But as year after year went by and my barrenness became apparent, the other priests began to keep their distance from me. They thought, surely... Something's wrong with him. Surely he has a secret sin and God is punishing him. And as the years went on, they stopped avoiding me because they didn't even pay attention to me. And now, in my advanced years, I am a shadow of a priest. God forgot Israel. God forgot me. And now, even my friends and neighbors forgot me. Everyone forgot about me. Oh, Uncle Zeke! Oh, everyone except for Cousin Miriam. Oh, she was a gossip and a busybody. David, King David, had written in the Psalms that there was nowhere anyone could go in heaven or on earth where you could escape God's presence. 
But what King David didn't realize was the same was true for cousin Miriam. Everywhere you went, she was there. If you tried to hide, she could find you. And she wasn't encouraging. Oh, Uncle Zeke, you're too thin. Oh, Uncle Zeke, you're too fat. Why, why did you put that robe on? You made Elizabeth all so upset, Uncle Zeke. Uncle Zeke, your beard is too long. Uncle Zeke, your beard is too short. Uncle Zeke, you smell. Exactly. <laughs> there were other difficult family members. But she, cousin Miriam, was the ringleader and was by far the worst. <laughs> and of course, my wife Elizabeth, what did she do? Often, she would just out of nowhere say, oh, by the way, Miriam's coming over for dinner. Oh, why? And then right before we were about to have dinner, we're going over to Miriam's to have dinner. <sighs> now, I love my wife. I love my wife. But she was so spontaneous, chaotic. She didn't have plans. She didn't make plans. She just came up with things on the fly. It was so frustrating. Who likes to live like that? No one. That's not how God operated. No, God was not a God of chaos. God was a God of order, a God of plans. Ah, just like his plans for us priests. In those days, there was tens of thousands of us priests and so God had written an order for us to serve in the temple. Twice a year, we would go with our clan of priests to serve for one week in the temple. I was alive when King Herod began his building project of the temple. It began with almost nothing. And over the years, over the decades, he made the temple beautiful again. It was incredible. It was 15 stories high, made of white marble with gold inlay. You could see it for miles, for miles. It was incredible. Now, like I said, in those days, I, uh, there was tens of thousands of priests. I had never been inside the temple, even though I was a priest. There were so many of us that to be selected to go and change the oil in the golden lampstand or to change the incense on the altar. It was absolutely impossible. It was absolutely impossible. There was no way that you would ever be selected to go inside. Most of what us priests did is we would direct and redirect worshipers. We would show them what part of the court they could be in and what part they could not. And we would help them in prayer and we would devote ourselves to prayer. One day while I was at the temple, we were casting lots to see who would go inside. That was the other thing us priests did. We spent about half of our time casting lots. And mine came up. I was selected to change the incense inside the temple, in the holy place. This was absolutely impossible. I had never gone inside the temple. I didn't even know anyone who had gone inside into the temple. I was excited. I was nervous. 
I had waited my entire life for this. And as the time came, the worshipers gathered in the temple courts and in one voice they raised their voices up in songs and in prayers. The sound was overwhelming. It was deafening. And as I took the box of incense into the temple behind the gate, I could no longer hear the voices of the worshipers outside. Inside the temple, all was silent. All I could hear was the flickering of the golden lampstand and my own breathing. I looked up and I couldn't even see the ceiling because it was so high up and so dark. And the walls were made of wood with golden vines inlaid within them. I walked past the golden lampstand and I headed towards the, the altar where the incense was burned at all times. And as I began walking towards the altar, I looked down at the box of incense in my hand. And when I looked back up, there was a man standing next to the altar. He was huge, and, 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 and he was gigantic, and, and he hovered off the ground. He wasn't a man. He was an angel. He had this glow about him, and, and, and he had wings. And I fell to the ground, trembling. But then the angel said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard. Your wife shall bear you a son, And you are to name him John. He will be a joy to many and to you. And he will be the forerunner, the prophet who will declare the coming of the Messiah, the Savior of Israel and of the whole world. How would you respond to God's un? believable plans, his extraordinary promises. I was there trembling, overwhelmed. And I said to him, what's the sign that this will happen? It can't happen. My wife and I are too old to have children. And then the angel said, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. I was sent to deliver you this message. But because you did not believe my word when I spoke it to you, you will be silent and unable to speak until all of these things come to pass. And then, just like that, he was gone. I trembled on the ground for the longest time. And I finally stood and terrified but excited to share what had happened. And I went to leave and then I remembered the incense. And so I came back and cleared off the old incense, put the new on and 
and set it going. And, and I came back out and everyone was excited to see me. I'd been in for so long and I tried to tell them what I had seen, what, what had happened, but I found that I could not talk. So I tried to show them what had happened, but they couldn't understand. And I heard the people and all the priests say, he must have seen a vision while he was in there. But I knew it was more than a vision. I went home shortly after that, home into the hill country of Judea. It wasn't far from Jerusalem. I began walking home to my small farm. And as I was walking, I was still nervous and shaken up, but during the journey, I began to become confused. Why wasn't I able to speak? I doubted and I expressed my doubts and now I'm being punished. And the more I thought about it, the less nervous I got and the angrier I became. I felt something, I expressed it. Why am I being punished? When I came home into my home, Elizabeth was there with Miriam and I tried to explain what had happened. But I couldn't communicate. Cousin Miriam said, Oh, he must have had a stroke, the poor man! Uh, get out of here, Miriam, get out! I couldn't speak, but I could shoo her out. And my wife, my wonderful, beautiful wife, my wise wife, she came and she brought me a tablet so that I could explain to her what had happened. So I began writing telling her the whole story. I was still frustrated. I was still angry. But Elizabeth, she was happy. She was excited. She was overjoyed. She was spontaneous. Elizabeth became pregnant. <laughs> In our old age, true to the angel's word, she became pregnant. But I became bitter. Now I saw. Now I saw and I believed, but I still couldn't talk. How would you respond to God's unbelievable plans, his extraordinary promises that are far too good to believe? far too good to be true. And as I spent those months thinking about it, stewing in my anger, stewing in my bitterness, I began to think about the words of the angel. We were to call this child John. John. There was no one in my family named John. What us Jews would do is we would name our children after ourselves and our family members so our name and our heritage would continue on. There was no one in our family named John. My name is Zechariah. I don't have many years left. And finally, God answers my prayers after all these years and he doesn't even carry my family name. 
That was just cruel. About six months after Elizabeth became pregnant, there came a knock at our door. Oh, no, Cousin Miriam. Fortunately, my wife said, I'll get it. Thank you. But from the other room, I heard her open the door, and then she screamed. I came running, and I stopped in the threshold. It wasn't Miriam. It was our young cousin, Mary. And she looked a little pregnant. She wasn't married. She was betrothed to Joseph. I was shocked. But as I stood there in the doorway behind the women, I felt something like wind rush past me and towards Elizabeth and Mary. And then my wife, Elizabeth, said to Mary, How blessed are you among all women? And how blessed is the child that you carry? Surely he is the savior of the entire world. Now, even though I was angry at God, I was still a priest. And I could recognize that my wife was not merely speaking, but she was prophesying. After all of these centuries of silence, God was speaking again. And he was speaking through a woman, through my wife. And Elizabeth continued on. And she said, how blessed am I that the mother of my Lord has come to visit me. For you see, at the sound of your voice, the child within me leapt for joy, knowing that his Savior was present. The women came into the house and sat in a room. I sat in another room. They couldn't see me, but I could hear them. And Mary sang a song, a beautiful song. She began to prophesy herself. It was a song of thanksgiving and a song of magnificence and a song of prophecy. And I sat in the room silent, unable to speak. Mary shared with Elizabeth what had happened. This same angel Gabriel who had visited me had visited her. And Gabriel told her that she would become pregnant and would bear a son and he was to be named Jesus, which means God saves. And that this Jesus would be the son of God, that Jesus would be the forever king that was promised. He would be the king of Israel, indeed the king of kings for all time. And he would lead the people into the ways of forgiveness. The only problem was Mary had never known a man. So how could this happen? In all of those long months, 
In all of those long months of my silence, I thought and thought and thought. And yes, it was absolutely impossible for an elderly couple to become pregnant. How many elderly couples do you know becoming pregnant? It was absolutely impossible, but it wasn't without precedence. All throughout the Torah, indeed the entire Tanakh, there was story after story of elderly couples, infertile couples, having children miraculously. Abraham and Sarah gave birth to Isaac. Elkanah and Hannah gave birth to Samuel. Samson's parents were advanced in years and miraculously had him. And on and on and on throughout the entirety of the Bible, God was in the business of giving barren couples children. He was in the business of giving elderly couple children. But a virgin birth? There was nothing like that in the Bible. There was nothing like that in all of human history. As I listened to Mary's story, I knew how she would have responded to the angel the same way I did. How can this happen? It's impossible. No way. After all, here I was. I was a priest. I knew the Torah. I knew the entirety of the Tanakh. I knew all of the stories. I was highly educated. I had served God in his temple for decade after decade after decade. And yet still, when the angel told me, that my wife would become pregnant, I doubted. And here was Mary, cousin Mary, still a young woman, practically a girl, just a peasant girl, uneducated from the hill countries of Galilee. No education, no background, just an uneducated peasant. If I doubted, surely she would have doubted. How would you respond to God's unbelievable plans? But as I listened to the story, Gabriel told her that the Spirit of God would overshadow her and the power of the Almighty would overcome her. She would conceive and give birth to Jesus, the Christ. And Mary said to the angel, let it happen as you say, I am your servant. She trusted God. She trusted his unbelievable, extraordinary, impossible plans. And here she was in my house prophesying in the next room while I brooded in the dark in silence. Mary stayed with us for three months. And Elizabeth went into labor. And even though I was still angry at God, I sat in the other room in the darkness and I prayed. In the best of situations, a pregnancy is always risky. There's always a chance that you might lose the child or lose the mother or both. And Elizabeth, she was an old woman. She already had plenty of health problems. So I prayed. 
Elizabeth made it through. Elizabeth and the baby were born. But I didn't see him, and I didn't touch him, and I didn't go near him. I was angry. Mary went home, back to the hill countries of Galilee. And eight days after the child was born, the entire family gathered in the house for the circumcision. Jewish boys are named at the circumcision eight days after they're born. And as they came in, the family was gathering, and they said, what should we call the baby? What should we call the baby? And they, of course, everyone said, we should call him Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth, my wife, said, no, no, he is to be named John. And I thought, yes, he should be named Zechariah after me. Elizabeth insisted. And so the family looked at me and they said, well, well, what does Zechariah think? Miriam came up to me and said, what do you think we should call the I was mute, not deaf. Family turned away from me, and I heard them say, let's just call the baby Zechariah. His father won't be around for much longer anyway. They turned, and I grabbed my easel, and I wrote, his name is John. And soon as that happened, I felt something like wind rush past me, and something in my throat cracked. I took the baby in my hands. I looked up to heaven and God opened my mouth. And I said, praise be to God who has remembered his covenant to Abraham and his people. And I looked at my baby, my son, I looked at John, and I said, and you, child, are to be a prophet of the Most High, and you shall go before the coming Messiah and declare the way of repentance. You are filled with the Holy Spirit even now, and you will prepare the hearts of Israel to receive their coming Lord. The people who are living in darkness have seen a great light. 
The dawn from on high has come and visited us people filled with death and doubt. You, child, shall point them to the one who will lead them in the forgiveness of their sins and show them the pathway to peace. How should you respond to God's unbelievable plans? His extraordinary promises. Don't be like me. Be like Mary. Don't be like me. I thought that seeing was believing. But that's not true. If you choose to believe, then you will see. You should respond to God's unbelievable promises, his extraordinary plans, by trusting God. Don't be like me, be like Mary. Yes, she might have felt doubts, but yet she expressed trust. She chose to believe, and then she saw. More than the words of an old man, more than the words of an angel himself, you have the word of God. It's it's so hard to understand sometimes. It's so unbelievable. But if you choose to believe, then you'll see. Then you will see. When the Spirit of God came upon me, I saw a vision of my son John. I saw him grow into a man and to call Israel to repent of their sins and to prepare their hearts to receive the coming Messiah. I saw John point to this Jesus and say, Behold the spotless Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the whole world. As the Spirit of God was upon me, I saw a vision of Jesus. I saw him shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins. I saw him raised to life to live forevermore. Repent of your sins. Trust Jesus. Follow him. Yes, you have your doubts. I have my doubts too. We all have our doubts. The angel didn't make me mute because I had doubts. The angel made me mute because I asked for a sign after a sign. The first sign was I miraculously was chosen to go into the most, into the holy place in the temple. That was a miracle. The second sign was that an angel of God appeared to me. And yet still I asked for an explanation. I asked for more. Don't be like me. Be like Mary, who chose to believe, and then she saw. Don't be like me. Maybe you're not mute, but maybe you'll go through your entire life speaking but never saying anything of any worth or any value. No, choose to believe. And when you open your mouth, God will speak through you. When God tells you of his miraculous plans, his unbelievable promises. Choose to believe God. Jesus has come for you. It might seem unbelievable, but it's true. If you choose to believe, 
then you'll see. In your doubts, which we all have, in your doubts, choose to believe. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about the church or make an online donation, please visit us at fbctarrytown.org.